Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 31 You're listening to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, your daily podcast on the Denver Nuggets. Now, here is your host from DenverStiffs.com, Adam Mudis. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, part of Locked On NBA Network. I'm your host, Adam Mates from DenverStiffs.com, the largest Denver Nuggets blog and community on the web. Be sure to check us out and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Great stuff coming up there uh, on all of those platforms. Also, we're going to be hiring a social media coordinator soon, so be on the lookout for that. If you're somebody that enjoys you know, group uh, social media in general, but also just creative, unique content from those platforms. Part of uh, our continued uh, expansion of our coverage is going to be coming up with cool things to do for those platforms in particular, not necessarily just on the site. So if you are interested, you can email denverstiffs at gmail.com, but you'll be uh, on the lookout for an advertisement for that position coming open very soon. I'm joined today by somebody that's been on the podcast once, but it's been quite a while, and he's sort of one of our two main draft experts at denverstiffs.com, I'll say. Uh, it's Ryan Blackburn. Ryan, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me on, Adam, and I, I wouldn't put expert with too much too much <laughs> emphasis on it, but uh, we'll see what we can talk about today. You know, expert's a relative term, and I am not an expert, so relative to me, you are an expert, <laughs> and, and so that's why... <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to lean on your expertise today and kind of go back and forth about some. I, I think it's hard to predict and talk about the Nuggets draft this year, in my opinion, because I think there's going to be every option is on the table. I don't think that was true of previous years, um, but this year the Nuggets could move up. They could stay put. They could move back. They could trade the draft pick for not a draft pick. So I think kind of everything is on the table for the Nuggets this year, and that's what makes it kind of difficult to to come up with scenarios. But We'll get into that here in a second, but I want to start off by uh, you have now one year under your belt as a Denver Nuggets blogger. Um, yeah. <laughs> how does how does this year, because for me at least, when I joined Denver Stiffs three years ago, you know, I always watch the Nuggets, um, maybe not every game, but probably half of the games, maybe even less than that, to be honest, but probably half of the games. And then when I became a blogger, not only did I watch every game, but sometimes I'd watch them twice. It was it was such a different experience. So, what was it like your first year now, you know, being an NBA and, and Denver Nuggets blogger? Well, it was interesting for me because I've, I'm currently located in South Carolina. I'm attending the school down here, University of South Carolina, and uh, it's been interesting being kind of removed from Denver, Colorado, in that I've been having to work kind of hard for uh, for just finding time to watch the games because just the college lifestyle will, will get to you for sure. But uh, it's it's been really fun. I've, I've really enjoyed the experience. It's been different, especially from changing over from fandom to kind of trying to take a little bit more of a neutral apo- approach in your, in your writing and just a, more of a realistic approach in your writing, uh, because that's not something that I always did before. But now it's, it's, it's really interesting to see how uh, 
things change from that point. So I've, I've really enjoyed being on the staff and it's something that I could definitely see myself doing long term. Uh, but so it's, yeah. it's been great. It's crazy because when I was in college, I barely had enough time to like do my own homework. So I'm I, I, like the fact that you're doing college and all of the things that come with college on top of doing this, like, w- w- do you, do your friends know that you do this and do they think you're nuts? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. They definitely, <laughs> they definitely appreciate and respect what I do. Uh, every time I, I tell them, oh yeah, I, I write for this site and I'm, I'm doing podcasts now and we're, we're having a great time just kind of expanding our content for our site and they're, they're pretty impressed and because everybody kind of has their own commitments, but people don't really understand when it comes to sports writing and just uh, covering a sports team that that kind of becomes your second life. It, it's right. not necessarily like an, an easy thing to do, even if you're like not doing it for a whole heck of a lot of money, like, like we are, it's, it's still a huge time commitment. And for somebody like me, who's trying to eventually get into that business, uh, I have to show that I can handle it. And I've got to put it on my resume that I'm uh, extensive with my knowledge. Yeah. And it's funny because I really think that the older I get, I'm 33. So I'm, I'm almost twice your age <laughs> at this point. But, uh, uh, <laughs> hey, don't, don't, don't be too shocked by that. But uh, it, I do think one of my b- strong beliefs in life is that you have to have it's very important for people to have ways to waste their time. Like they, they need hobbies and they, the constructive hobbies in particular. And you said this is almost like a second life and it is, it's not necessarily a career thing. Although I think some of us are open to those possibilities, but I think more, more than anything, it's just a passion and a hobby. And it like, it like brings like fulfillment to our lives in some way. And um, it, when I was in college, blogging was very, very new. And in, in fact, my first year, Facebook wasn't around, you know, these things weren't around uh, in college, but AOL Instant Messenger was, and blogs were, like, really robust, and for a while, me and some friends had a sports blog that was really, like, lowbrow, just jokes and photoshops and stuff, we didn't really okay. write articles, um, but everybody quit except for me, because they were like, this is a waste of time, and part of me wonders, like, man, if I started blogging and kept it up in 2002, like, you know, that's like getting it on the ground floor of a new technology that we had no idea was going to take off. So part of me kind of Absolutely. wonders what would have happened if I would have wasted more time in college. But probably what would have happened is I'd just have worse grades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 interesting where I'm, I'm definitely having a good time with it. It's it's definitely not something that I'd ever regret. It's it's an escape for me almost like if you, if you have the the kind of trifles and tribulations of getting through college and college is a fun experience. It's, it's amazing. No doubt. But, uh, there's, there are some things that you, you just kind of need to escape from sometimes. And, uh, writing has definitely been that for me personally. Uh, I've been able to stay up to the odd ends of the morning and just kind of talk out my thoughts about certain prospects and certain things that are going on with the nuggets and in the NBA in general. So that's a pretty cool avenue for me. And I'm hoping that it, it eventually leads somewhere. Well, you've been an awesome addition to the team, and I think it's been a, a really, really cool year watching you kind of grow as a writer, but also just uh, change the site. Because I think all of us, all of us at Denver Stiffs, change the site in some way by by our influence. So it's really cool to see all the different voices and perspectives, and uh, it's been awesome having you on.
the draft is always the most for the NBA the offseason sometimes is more interesting than the season or at least as interesting the season and that's part of what I love about it so much about caring about and following the NBA is caring and about and following the process of trying to build a contender um, not necessarily the act of being a contender and that's why when people complain about parody I think you know parody's interest is, is certainly an interesting thing about sports but with the NBA watching a young team grow and trying and like speculating about how they can maximize their skill and roster and this and that is is part of the fun so we're in the thick of that now the Denver Nuggets have the 13th pick in the draft which is kind of the dead man zone you know you you either want to yeah. be in the playoffs or, or in the top five six spots in the draft the Nuggets are kind of in no man's land but they've had some success in, in in this kind of zone. They've gotten Wancho Hernan Gomez, Yusuf Nurkic, Gary Harris, Malik Beasley. I think that's all winners kind of in that zone, um, you know, at least from a talent perspective. First off, if if you had the choice of the guys projected to go in that 13th range and the Nuggets don't trade, you know, there's nothing, any, nobody's reaching, so there's no nobody off the board except for the guys that are projected to go 12, 13, 14, 15, who would you take? Well, it's it's interesting because you're talking about kind of the best available player versus the best fit in this scenario. And for me, the best available player is Zach Collins out of Gonzaga. He has shown, even in his limited minutes and kind of in a limited role at Gonzaga, that he can make be a complete impact player uh, in terms of rim protection from the four or the five spot and in terms of potentially stretching the floor. And when we think about rim protectors that stretch the floor – the floor from the four position, then the first player that comes to mind is Kristaps Porzingis. And he shares a lot of those same tendencies. Uh, it, he's not the same athletically as him, and he probably doesn't have the same creation skills off of the dribble, but he still has a lot of that same rim protection and stretching the floor potential. And even in the post, like he, he was a super, super efficient inside player for Gonzaga. And that really changed my mind about him initially the the other guy and we we've, we've talked about him extensively at denver stiffs and i know you've you've talked about him with sam vicini is og ananobi ananobi is definitely the guy who fits the nuggets the best at 13 considering the fact that he's i ranked him as the best defender the best defensive prospect in yeah. this nba draft and when you can find a guy like that at 13 overall, and you could see him potentially developing a jump shot, and he's already shooting 70% inside of the arc, well, what are you, what are you doing here? Like that's that seems like a perfect fit with somebody like Nikola Jokic, somebody who can play the power forward position and uh, protect the rim and and potentially even stretch the floor a little. So you're talking about two different guys with two different skill sets, but overall they both provide defense and stretching the floor potential. So that's definitely what I think that they should focus on. Let's start with Zach Collins because he had such a great tournament and and kind of end of the season, and that was the first I started watching him. But one of the things I wonder was, did he kind of come on strong as the year went on, or was he kind of good the whole year and just got noticed in the tournament because that's when people start paying attention to Gonzaga? Well, the one thing about Collins that people kind of hold against him was that he came off the bench. He came off the bench behind Prismic Karnowski, who's the big uh, Polish center for Gonzaga. He's he's a behemoth. Like. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's probably the best way to describe him. And he was super efficient. He was one of the best players in college basketball last year. Especially and, in that conference where they don't have a ton of guys that can match up with just that body. Like Yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's Shaquille esque 
for for sure. Uh, but Collins came off the bench most of the year, and on a team that went eventually, I think, thirty-seven or thirty-eight and one. I don't think that that should be held against him because they were trying to put together a winning formula, uh, a winning basketball approach, and Collins was a huge part of that. He was probably he was de- definitely the most talented player on that team, uh, and it was very clear in the tournament when they started finding that talent barrier with Karnowski and Nigel Williams Goss, and they needed a guy to step up, and Zach Collins was the guy to do it. He he dominated the game against South Carolina. And uh, as as a South Carolina attendee, like that was that was a big deal because okay. I got to see up close and personal just what he could do, and he completely changed the game. He eliminated any interior offense from South Carolina. And so, if we're talking about a guy that projects well to the NBA, that's it. That's the guy. Yeah, you know, um, the the bench thing I think is a complete non-factor because it's college and college. You know, those right. types of things happen, especially at little schools like, like Gonzaga, even though Gonzaga is kind of the biggest little school out there. But, um, you know, those kind of things happen. Devin Booker came off of the bench. Yeah. And, and the, I think who started above him? The Harrison Twins? Is that the same? Uh, or was it, was, it, was it different? Tyler Eulis maybe? Yeah. And yeah Jim- t- well, Tyler Eulis was, was one of them, but it was the Harrison Twins mostly. Okay. So, yeah, and, whatever it was. But, I mean, clearly yeah. though they're not the prospects that Devin Booker was. So those kind of things, that's a college thing, especially for freshmen. Absolutely. And you're talking about a, a guy like Dion Waiters also came off the bench at Syracuse and he was a top four draft pick. Right. So it really is just about skill set. It's what about you put it. What's it's what you put on film that matters and it's how you translate athletically. And I definitely see that with Collins personally. Uh, there are also other guys that translate a little bit better athletically or at least have a better physical profile. But we're talking about a guy who has a, a nine three standing reach. Oh and wow! I didn't that's, realize that. Yeah, I mean he's not—he's not short. It's he—he he can play a small ball center role, and he—he yeah. he will in the NBA in all likelihood. Yeah, I know Paul Klee would be happy. Paul Klee of the Gazette, the biggest Gonzaga fan. So every Absolutely. year, every year he's trying to get a Gonzaga player to Denver. So <laughs> maybe this will be the year. Um, you know, you talk about the athleticism, and one thing as I'm watching these finals that jumps off the page is, you know, I love Jokic. Probably my favorite nugget of all time already. And we talk about some of the, you know, he's gone against the Warriors when they played aggressive defense, and he really thrives when people overplay passing lanes. But watching the speed and strength and just, like, athleticism of the finals, you really don't know what a player is capable of until you see him in a playoff atmosphere when when everything gets turned up. And I'm so curious, do you have any concerns at all, especially talking about Zach Collins and Jokic potentially, is that I I have no question that Jokic can dominate a regular season, and I don't really have many questions about if he could dominate the playoffs, but watching the speed of these two elite teams, do you you pause it all and think, man, he's really, the the athleticism is really going to have to improve, or do you think that, the finesse for him will just will outweigh the the weaknesses. Well, I think that everything kind of changes in a Jokic-led offense. There's definitely some things that Jokic can help mitigate with a with an athletic perspective. Like Danilo Gallinari, for example, at the we'll call it the small forward position, even though he played some power forward, he was not the most speedy of players from a start to a stop in, yeah. in terms of that position, but he was one of the best scorers in the NBA efficiency-wise. Yeah. Uh, a lot of that had to do with his own 
factor, but a lot of it had to do with Jokic being able to find him in the spots that needed to be found. And with a guy like Zach Collins, he's going to continue to back cut. He's going to continue to post up and uh, find space on the perimeter and in the mid-range where he can hit open shots. So I think probably what you're talking about more is defensively. And yeah, there are there are definitely some concerns. I, I wouldn't play those two together for 30 minutes a night uh, in a playoff series, that's for sure. I would probably stagger their minutes, and I, I'd play Collins behind Jokic most of the time in a playoff series. Right. But we're talking about drafting the best player available here. Yeah, and, we definitely get ahead yeah. of ourselves sometimes with, like, well, how are they going to fare in the finals? Well, <laughs> they don't need to fare in the finals. Like, they need to, like, we just need to find some combinations that work, you know, in, in November. But, um, no, I'm with you. Let's move on to OG Ananobi because I think he's the guy that – I see most frequently going to Denver at 13. And right. the, I, I really don't know his game outside of the Draft Express and just hearing people talk about him. One of the the, the negative I hear, because I hear tons of positives, the negative I hear about him is that he really wasn't this elite prospect until halfway through last season or start of last season. Uh, is that the case, and is that a concern at all that he kind of has climbed so quickly? Well, I think he was on a lot of draft radars for most of the year last year but he he didn't end up getting a lot of an opportunity to shine at indiana yeah. uh he eventually needed an, an injury to one of their to one of their rotation players to step into a role and when he did step into a role he he shined because that's what great draft prospects do but uh th- there is some concern there that he didn't really demonstrate what he needed to at Indiana in those in this time because he only played about 400 minutes each year, uh, 400 minutes uh, kind of in a fringe rotation role last year and 400 minutes as a starter, but he, he tore his ACL. That that eventually came out that it was an ACL tear this past this mm. past season. So he does have a small sample size, but between those 800 minutes, you can glean a lot of the information that you need to on a guy like this. Yeah. And it's to me, it's pretty clear that he has all of the physical tools to become one of the best individual defenders in the NBA. I'm not sure about how he's going to do from a team defense perspective because he still needs to learn some of those tendencies. But uh, he, I think he showed enough personally. The thing I like about him, and he's probably my favorite of like the realistic options. It, the thing I like about him is, is you don't with Jokic and Murray and Harris. And, you know, potentially a, a, a good scoring, you know, versatile small forward. You don't need a versatile power forward. You need an, a versatile defensive power forward. But you don't have to have a guy that can do all these things. We've seen with Kenneth Fareed how the offense can be elite just with him playing the dunker spot and the short right. corner. Um, and I think OG can have similar, you know, characteristics. You know, he can play that spot, maybe even a little bit more perimeter-oriented than, than Fareed. But more importantly, the defense is where it comes in. So for me, his weaknesses are kind of diminished with Jokic and his strengths are are augmented yeah that's why you see him mocked to Denver often because on one hand he's going to impact the defensive end a lot uh, but on the other hand people have a, a little worry about how his offense will translate but with with a guy like Jokic you're never going to really struggle on the offensive end I'd, and I genuinely believe that right. uh so we'll we'll see how his role ends up being in the NBA, but I totally agree. He can be in the short corner, and he can be in the actual three-point corner as a player. So 
the the interesting thing is that I I feel like the Nuggets are one of the more likely teams to trade their pick, and I I think obviously moving up would be the the preferred thing, but moving up in a draft is always tough, no no matter what, and I think. You know, the name for me is Jonathan Isaac, you know, in that top, you know, if you're moving up. Is there is there anybody else that you see the Nuggets trying to move up to get? Do you And do you agree that Jonathan Isaac would be a target if they do try to move up? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I would definitely agree with that. I think that Isaac, I, and I wrote about this, it's dropping in about two minutes on Denver Stiffs, <laughs> is about is that Jonathan Isaac fits like Cinderella's slipper for the oh. Nuggets. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, those were actual words. Oh, my. <laughs> uh, and uh, because, I mean, think about the glove-like fit that he, that he provides. There are yeah. – he's – I consider him the second-best prospect defensively in the NBA draft. Behind I have him ranked uh, behind OG. Really? Uh, de- I defensive Josh prospect. Jackson, then. I actually have Josh Jackson lower because there's a lot of uh, focus questions that I have with him. Okay. Uh, but uh, – and he also doesn't have an extensively long frame uh, for to guard threes a lot of the time, so he may he may struggle guarding threes at times. Right. Okay. Uh, but with Jonathan Isaac, you you have no questions really about his fit as a small ball power forward in the NBA. He's long enough to cover a lot of centers. He's quick enough to cover a lot of small forwards, so he'll probably find that happy medium as a power forward in which he can just play off of others offensively and then take the reins defensively and be a pest, just be a, a complete terror on that end. So that's a guy I would see. I mean, I could see them trading up for Josh Jackson if they really wanted to get up there. The mocks uh, have him, though. I don't see anybody having him lower than, like, fourth. And I just don't, yeah. I don't know that you can trade into the top four. I don't know that you can trade into the top five. It's just yeah, like it's, a it's, hard thing to do. You have to be willing to give up one of Jamal Murray or Gary Harris. And, and that brings up the question for Jonathan Isaac. Would you be willing to give up one of those? Uh, I mean, it was talked about on Twitter briefly uh, a few days ago. I, I waver. I go back and forth on it. Right now you have established players in Gary Harris and one of the potential stars in the NBA in Jamal Murray. I think you can find another guy like Jamal Murray in a future draft. And there's also the question that there's a lot of good point guards out there in this free agent class. And if a if a guy like Kyle Lowry decided he wanted to come to Denver, then I think it, it's possible that you act on it. But uh, with uh, I'm I'm a little bit lower on Jamal Murray's eventual ceiling than a lot of guys. So yeah, it I would am be too, by the way, even though I think he's yeah. really really good. I, people compare him to Steph Curry, and I don't see that. Um, yeah, that's that's a be, little bit out there. I think he can still be really, really good. I I, I want to see some improvement this next year on, from the point guard position. But the one thing I'll say about Jamal Murray that I do believe in is I believe in his work ethic. So yeah. I think he's going to reach closer to his ceiling than most prospects would. Um, and then on top of that, and this means more to me than it probably should, but – he seems to be a guy that has really embraced the Denver Nuggets, and like he's at the, he's been here the entire summer so far, rehabbing and working out. He, he you could tell he loves you know like Steve Hess and some of the, the the player development guys and his teammates and stuff, and that means a lot to me because this is Denver. We've had a lot of guys come and go, and the idea of him like kind of enjoying being on the ground floor of a, of a developing team that just means a lot to me. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. He's, I mean, you can contrast that with 
uh, not seeing certain players, and it definitely uh, it definitely puts it in perspective how much you you grow to care about these guys as prospects and as as players for your team. Another uh, thing I'll, I'll just add is uh, Eric Green was another guy like that. He was here. When he was on the Nuggets roster, he was here every day in the summer working out and stuff. So it doesn't always translate to, oh, this guy's going to make it. Sometimes, you know, some guys work really, really hard and just never make it. But um, it, it is noticeable, and as you said, in contrast to guys like Emmanuel Moutier, for example. But, yep. you know, Wancho's been in town. He's actually – I think the European guys, it's a little bit more difficult because going home for the summer, it's not just a two-hour flight. It's, you know, you have to make plans. <laughs> yeah. So. It's yeah. a little bit different, but Malik Beasley, same thing. Gary Harris, every year he's been here, he's been in Denver for the summers for at least significant portions. No, absolutely. And uh, with Wancho, I, I saw some pictures of him with Joel and Bede across the pond, so that was <laughs> that was pretty interesting. Uh, but yeah, you you really you really appreciate the guys and what they what they do. Uh, especially a guy like Jamal Murray, you can see him reaching his ceiling. And I'm not sure what that ceiling is. Uh, I think it's probably less of a shooter than we, than we want. Like he, he may hit 40%. He may never hit 40%. Uh, I hope he does. I think it would be great if he does, but we'll just have to see how it plays out. As, as for the initial question, Jonathan Isaac is everything that the Nuggets need next to Nikola Jokic, and we know for sure, like 100%, that Nikola Jokic is going to be a huge part of the Nuggets going forward. So I think you have to probably bite the bullet and maybe make a trade, mm. but we'd have to we'd have to see. It would it would have to be the right deal, and we'd have to be super 100% confident. I, I agree with you that it's a closer, a tougher decision than most because I think I think most people just dismiss it as like, no, you don't do that. I think it is tougher because, as you said, there's a lot of point guards, especially nowadays, there's a lot of point guards that are very, very good. There's not a lot of power forwards that can mat, that can fit with Jokic. So you do have to think, is Jonathan Isaac that guy? Where I differ is Jonathan Isaac's a prospect. And prospects, yeah. you never know. I mean, a lot of guys look good coming into the draft and then never get close to what you thought they were going to be. And Jamal Murray, we've at least seen the work ethic. We've seen the attitude. We've seen the potential. And and so for me, I would not make that deal. Um, but I do think it's something that you have to at least think about. And these are the types of tough decisions that the Nuggets face down the road. Juancho Hernan Gomez is another guy I absolutely love, one of my favorite players on this entire roster. I think he is a guy that I would be willing to give up for Jonathan Isaac. And it sucks because I hope they don't, you know, in a perfect world, they would have all these guys. It would be like my favorite starting five possible would be Isaac and Wancho along with the other three guys. But right. I do think it's kind of unrealistic for the Nuggets to move up without giving up some some kind of value, um, whether that be a future first-round unprotected pick or or Jamal Murray or, or Wancho. But, um, but Isaac is so intriguing, I think, like that. So – First of all, just so you can answer yes or no, do you think the Nuggets will make a move, to, uh, a trade to move up in the draft this year? Oh, gosh. Uh, now, we have to take this with a grain of salt because I think that uh, it's so it's so difficult to trade up in the NBA. Yeah. Like, it's, almost, it is nearly, nearly impossible, that's for sure. The Kings and the Suns made a trade last year between, like, the, the 8th and the 13th pick. And it involved the the 28th pick as well and the rights to Bogdan Bogdanovich. And so that's the kind of value that you're looking for to move up. And you're probably looking at even more value than that uh, in this next because in this next draft because this draft class is so stacked. 
So do I think that the Nuggets are going to be willing to give that up? Probably not. So my I would say that it's probably about a 10% chance that they move up. I, I, I would agree with you. I think it's very, very low. If Isaac somehow fell to eight, which I don't, I think Isaac's going to go like six. Um, yeah, and if, it's possible. And so if, if, if he somehow fell to eight, the Knicks are like the most likely team to make some kind of deal. Wancho's there and his brother is in New York. You know, that's kind of maybe that's you can tilt things in the favor or whatever. But um, again, it, it almost makes me sad making deals like this because you kind of fall in love with players and you don't want to see any of them go. Um, so so it's tough. What about this moving back in the draft, which I think that idea is kind of picking up steam uh, of the Nuggets, maybe moving to either get a, a player and a pick or maybe multiple picks. Is it, Do you see the Nuggets moving backwards in the draft? Uh, I mean, I know Jeff Morton does. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm interested in it. I'm intrigued in it because there are a lot of guys that I think might pass through the cracks that I could see the Nuggets really using and uh, being a possible uh, – just a potential option though would be great. Uh, who are they? You guys, you guys talk about TJ Leaf a lot. Uh, that's that's a guy who I think is he's good and he I I'm actually pretty confident that he'll hit his offensive ceiling, but I also think that his defensive like I I have written under his questions question marks anything defense and because he's kind that's, of bad at all of it. Yeah, he's there's there's nothing that he does well on that end. He just doesn't. He has athleticism, but that's the athleticism that the athleticism that he has is probably not going to translate to the defensive side, simply because he doesn't have the frame to make up for it. Uh, the guys that I would consider are Jordan Bell. Mm, yeah, uh, he, he a is huge, a huge tournament yeah. in like end of season. Absolutely, I have him ranked number sixteen on my current draft board. So that's a lot higher than most most general draft Knicks have. What, what's his offense? I mean, like, what's he going to look like uh, on offense then? Think about Fareed okay. and just kind of go from there potentially. Like but, he's he's not going to do a lot of different things offensively, but he, he is an above-the-rim threat. He is somebody who can roll hard to the rim, and he could p- potentially make those passes out that we've seen Fareed start to make now. So I don't think that he's going to eventually like really be much more than a net neutral offensive player. But if he gets to that point, he's one of the most ready defensive players in this draft class. So Jordan Bell to me is kind of like Taj Gibson, I suppose, where Taj Gibson can be that like tenacious defender rebounder. And then Gibson's kind of added some offense to his game over the last couple of years. Um, And maybe Bell can do that because it's not like he's added like crazy good stuff, just a jump hook and like a short jumper. Um, but defensively, he's just such a beast. And Jordan Bell is six nine, so he's not he's not like elite height or anything like that. But he is he is kind of long and athletic. People are comparing him physically and kind of uh, in that in that frame to Dennis Rodman. That's what a uh, that's what I've heard draft <laughs> scouts say to that, which is which is crazy to think about. That's that's kind of absurd but it's also sets him up for failure because (laughs) like if we're comparing a guy that's going to go 20 something in the draft 30 maybe even to a hall of fame defender one of the best defenders ever that's that's, of course that's a high bar of course i i totally agree with you but to even come into those comparisons it it says that you're doing something right on the defensive end 
And I definitely think that Jordan Bell would fit incredibly well with Nikola Jokic as a as a weak side rim protector, as somebody who can switch on the defensive end, maybe take some of those tougher assignments. And uh, that would that would be an interesting pick. Where do you see Bell going? Uh like what? What? It's interesting. No, I, I think that he he probably doesn't have a super high ceiling in terms of uh, where he will go because he's he's not as gifted on the offensive end. And that's just what teams generally prioritize. Uh, I would definitely see him in the twenty to thirty range because okay. that's that's kind of reasonable. It, he could potentially sneak up into the sixteen to twenty range, but I, I don't see him going any higher than that. I bring it up because here, I think you might have been the one that put this on Twitter, and I was actually having the same thought, is that one potential trade for the Nuggets is they trade 13 to Atlanta, and actually they would trade maybe 13, 49, and 51. So basically all of their draft picks for yeah. at, to Atlanta for 19 and 31, which at 19 you can take T.J. Leaf, who I think the Nuggets do probably like. He fits that offensive mold, but defensively he could be, as we've said, and then Jordan Bell, right now, Draft Express has him falling that that low, I believe. Maybe, maybe they had him higher. I can't. I can't find him now that I'm looking for him. Um, so maybe they could end up, in, you know, getting lucky. Oh yeah, they have him 35. So in theory, the Nuggets could end up with both of those guys, um, which I think would be really cool. I don't know that the Nuggets want to add two rookies <laughs> to the rotation. Um, yeah, I, I doubt that. But they may be in that position if they feel like they want to trade Wilson Chandler. Uh, and Danilo Gallinari doesn't come back. I don't even think that uh, because I, I think I'm almost certain that the Nuggets don't want to get younger overall. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, Malik Beasley and Emmanuel Moody are two guys that might not be on the Nuggets roster to start the season. So if you swap two, you know, two young guys for two other young guys and add some some more, you know, older talent, then then maybe it's not such a big deal. Um, especially since last year they relied on Moutier for a lot of minutes. Next year they probably wouldn't rely on either Leaf or Bell a whole lot. They would play more like Wancho's minutes, uh, like the minutes Wancho did last year than anything. So, and, and the idea being if you were trading Moutier and Beasley um, separate of that deal we just talked about with Atlanta, you're probably bringing back a veteran of some sort. Um, yeah. So, so it might actually work, but, again, that's a lot of moving parts. That's a lot of ifs. No, I, don't, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. I think that that's a that's a completely fair deal. And if you've got a if you've got a team that is really looking forward to taking one of those guys that drops to thirteen, and maybe the Nuggets aren't as high in on that. But right now, I think the Atlanta Hawks could be considering a center of some sort. And if they're ready for a Justin Patton or a Jarrett Allen, and those guys are right there, then they may want to move up and leapfrog some of the guys that. Like like a Milwaukee or a, a Portland that could take a center in front of them, so I could definitely see it happening. Uh, and it it doesn't really matter who the trade partner ends up being, just as just that the Nuggets get comparable value on the way back. It's interesting because the theory I just talked about that I think is really great would end up landing the Nuggets uh, two power forwards to go with Kenneth Freed, and then also <laughs> targeting Paul Millsap in free agency. So that's like five power forwards that none of them are necessarily backup centers. So um maybe doesn't work but but still kind of interesting we'll see yeah we'll see um what about you know some of these guys sem i don't even know how to sem say his name semi ojalele is that it's it's semi ojale oh oh gosh <laughs> you just, yeah. ojale ojale sorry okay yeah semi ojale so he's another guy i've heard that fits kind of the mold denver's looking for what are your thoughts on him well i think that he's uh He's a 
older player. He's somebody who started at Duke, and he, he was on the bench for two years at Duke before transferring, and he received one year of ineligibility before he got to play for SMU one year, and he dominated. Honestly, he was one of the most efficient players in the NBA in the NBA draft class. Right. Uh, I definitely see him as one of the better shooters. Uh, I think a, a red flag for me is that other than scoring and other than uh, a high field goal percentage and his efficiency, uh, he had low assist, rebound, steal, and block numbers in college at SMU. And to me, that that kind of speaks to a low level of inactivity or ability to be able to uh, affect the game in other ways. And I know, for the Nuggets, I know for the draft models, they really value steals from every position. And part of yeah. the thinking behind that is, well, for one, just the history says that it translates well. But another one is that they it shows anticipation. Like it, it, it probably hints at a certain level of basketball IQ. So low steal rate could be a, a big, big red flag. Yeah, it it's it kind of shows three different things. It's it's the athleticism factor to play in the NBA. It's the anticipation factor, and there's there's one more. I think it's the uh, just the the ability to impact the game. Uh, well, you look at Jokic so, with zero athleticism and actually a really high steal rate, and I think part of that is absolutely. coordination, like his hand-eye coordination is phenomenal. But also he does just anticipate. Like if you watch him in slow-mo on some of his steals, he's kind of like waiting. Like he knows where the ball's about to go, and he's waiting for it and then gets his hand in there. So I do think, absolutely. It's, I do think it's a big thing about anticipation. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how where he goes in the draft because there's a lot of guys, a lot of draft guys that see him as – one of the potential sleepers at the back end of this draft, at least at the back end of the first round. I would, I would say that if you're if you're making a trade like that with Atlanta, for example, like because because is not going to be there at 49, but if you're if you're making that, you could potentially get him at a 31. Uh, but he's he's a talented player. Uh, he's built. He is very thick. He's he's one of the strongest players for sure in this draft class and whether that translates to a good power forward defensive role i'm not sure but it, it would be interesting to see him in a nuggets uniform because i think he he shares a lot of the same tendencies that wilson chandler has uh wilson chandler went to depaul uh so i think that that's kind of an interesting comparison for him uh but yeah i, th- I think it'll be it'll be odd who's the guy in the draft you think is going to fall the most uh Let's see. I think that Lowry Markkinen could potentially drop. Uh, he's he's kind of considered in that top eight or yeah. so of players, but I don't see him being drafted in the top eight. I see him potentially falling to as low as 12, uh, which isn't a huge fall. But like in terms of guys who are considered top prospects, I would say uh, Isaiah Hartenstein has really – dropped off the radar yeah uh, he used to be fall. yeah he's used he was a guy that considered to be in the top half of this draft and now he may not even be in the first round uh let's keep looking justin Patton, i think could fall oh i wanted uh, to ask you about him what are your thoughts on him well he's uh i mean i, I kind of share an interesting view about Justin Patton. I, I see a lot of the same tendencies that a guy like Miles Turner has in his game mm. uh, as kind of a an athletic rim protecting center who 
isn't necessarily a great rebounder, but could potentially develop into one. I don't think he's a great defender. I think that he's, and I don't think he profiles as a great defender, especially in this class where there are a lot of great defenders. Uh, I think he could potentially be a Miles Turner, but that's kind of his top end comparison, in my opinion. I think that he's a guy with a lot of bust potential. He, uh, if he has good point guard play, he will probably excel, but he needs somebody who's going to create for him in great spots because I don't think his creation is going to translate to the NBA. Yeah, I, I think I kind of agree with that. Um, I was impressed with him at his workout here. Just you could tell he prepared for interview questions and things like that. And then so I, so there's part of that. And he seemed almost eager to want to play in Denver because he liked the way they played. Same goes for TJ Leaf, both of those guys. Um, I thought that was really, really fascinating. Uh, but, yeah. but same thing. Like he's got a ton of bust, bust potential in there because he's not really great at anything. Um, but he does have a bunch of a bunch of pretty good skills. I think a lot of people see him in his physical profile as kind of the next great athletic center of the NBA. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't personally see it. I think that there's there's just so many there are so many issues with his game uh, that he could potentially drop. Like I mean, we're talking about him being potential option for the Nuggets at 13. Uh, I could potentially see him dropping to around 25 or 30. The Nuggets have some mid to late second rounders. Uh, assuming they keep them, are there any players? Do you scout that deep into the draft? Are there any guys you yeah. have an eye on? Well, in my in my top defenders article, I talked about two guys that I think would really impact the defense on the Nuggets. And the guy who I ranked, I, I think, fourth overall was Devin Robinson out of Florida. And Devin Robinson is a small forward, power forward, hybrid player. He's very skinny right now. He, his, I think he clocked in at around 190 pounds uh, as a as a small forward, power forward, which is light even for yeah. a lot of guards and wings. But how Devin Robinson was used at Florida, he was their point guard defender. <laughs> he was the guy who would stop their point, the opposing team's point guard. He would he would guard PJ Dozier for for South Carolina. He guarded De'Aaron Fox and Isaiah Briscoe for Kentucky. So pretty mobile. He is he is incredibly mobile. He has some of the best feet I've seen, and some of the best ability to slide and guard smaller players because he's super super agile and and pretty long too. Like he he has that physical profile in which he impacts the game. Uh, from a like from a length perspective, uh, he's he, it's over a seven foot wingspan is what I have here, so that's that's pretty good. I I would definitely take that. And he shot thirty nine percent from three this year, mm. so we're talking about a guy who currently on Draft Express is projected to go. Let me scroll down here. He's at fifty first to, to Denver. Yeah, he's fifty first to Denver. So if if that's the kind of range that you're going to get from a guy like that, then I say take him develop him uh he's a guy that doesn't have to play that often you could play in the g league but that's a guy who if he puts on weight could potentially be one of the better defenders in the nba uh in a few years time like i see him potentially fitting with Jokic as a great defensive prospect traditionally the nuggets have used those second rounders to for draft and stash guys uh, are there any of those late in the second round or maybe even off of most mocks that you could see? Because let's be honest, the 51st pick in the draft is rarely a player that makes it to the NBA. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I think that they probably go more uh, 
less international this year because of those extra draft spots. Uh, so we'll see what they do. But a guy like Kostya Mushidi, uh, he played for Mega Vizura. He's a 19-year-old shooting guard. Somebody who, if if a guy like a Malik Beasley was traded or a guy like Gary Harris was eventually moved for a superstar or something akin to that, then you've got a guy who has a seven-foot wingspan from sh- from the shooting guard position yeah. in, in <laughs> Mushidi. And uh, you could see him quickly being a, an active player in, in a Jokic-led offense based off of just his his ability to run out, his ability to uh, attack the rim, and, and even spot up and shoot some threes. So uh, that's that's not a name that people hear very often, but it's it's something that I could I could see them going. Um, so last one, what do you see the Nuggets doing? Now, all these options we've talked about, what, what, what would you say your money is on? If you had to put money on it, what would your, your money be on Nuggets moving up, staying put, moving back, and who do they take? Uh, my money is on them staying put for sure. Okay. Uh, it's just it's, I, I don't see them finding the right deal to move up or move back. I think that they could move back, and I think that that's probably more likely than them moving up. But overall, I think I see them staying put. I see them going with a guy like OG Ananobi. He doesn't need to play uh, super quickly. I mean, he's still recovering from the ACL. So if they sign off on his knee reports, which uh, potentially doesn't have to happen necessarily, but like, like I don't, I don't know if they have or have not. But I could definitely see them taking him resting him a little bit playing him in the g league when he when he gets ready and seeing if he could develop into that next great defender that's something that i would want them to do other than moving up for jonathan isaac and it's something that i think that they probably will set themselves up to do ryan that was great stuff man um as i said earlier it's really been fun having you on the 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 team this year and just seeing you develop as a writer and, and and contribute to the site man it really has uh in my opinion, elevated the site and provided some new perspective and stuff. And I can't wait to see what you do with another year with the stiffs. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm super excited about it. It's been great, man. And it really has been. It's fun covering this Denver Nuggets team. And hopefully the trajectory continues to go upwards and, and doesn't plateau or, or go down. Um, yeah. But I don't, we can only hope. I don't, I don't think it will. I think even a worst case scenario with this team and they, even if they miss out on all their free agents, I do think the record might stagnate, but the development will still be interesting to watch. So um, I, I think this Nuggets team is in for some exciting basketball for years to come. In, anything else you want to plug before you go? I know that you're going to be on the Pickaxe podcast later this week. Uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do the Pickaxe podcast. We're gonna have more draft coverage. Uh, I just I would just say stay, keep looking out for Denver Stiffs articles, and I'll I'll keep trying to churn those out, and so will every every other Denver Nuggets writer really. Uh, but here at Denver Stiffs, we provide some of the best draft coverage, and I definitely think that it's a must read for any Denver Nuggets fan. So keep on the lookout for that. Hope to be on more podcasts in the future, and uh, I'm I'm excited for it, man. Absolutely. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Don't forget uh, continue. Oh, I do have an announcement. The uh, traditionally Australia has been our second biggest market for this show, and they have been overtaken by Serbia. So congrats to Serbia! Wow. Has, and in fact, not only have they taken over the uh, the listenership of the show, but they've also taken over the uh, reviews. I get to see where all the reviews come from. Um, so 
thanks to all the Serbian followers and Australian followers, I like it. It's a nice rivalry now that uh, I'm getting roughly like one tenth of the follower base from each of those countries. So push back Australia, <laughs> fight, fight the good fight. Uh, you know, you know what? If we if we do end up getting the my favorite player in free agency, Joe Ingles, then I think oh, uh, I'm so excited. I think, I think Australia would once again overtake uh, Serbia, but who knows. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and do me a favor. Ha- head on over there and leave a review if you get – it literally takes 10 seconds to leave a review. Um, and there's been some really good ones. Somebody said, the like, the ball is popping just like the podcast is popping. I think that's my favorite, my favorite <laughs> review so far since that's my favorite sort of catchphrase. Um, but thanks, everybody. We'll be back all week where we're going to start ramping up some of this draft coverage. The draft is only 11, 12 days away. So thanks a bunch. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Nuggets podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com.